Ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Tony Kemp. Thank you. <laughs> How is the ice cream? Everyone's dying to Excellent. know. Excellent. What did you have down there? Uh, I had vanilla and chocolate because I like for things to swirl. Okay. To All twist. right. The swirly. That mm-hmm. swirly anointing. Mm-hmm. Well, what's your favorite, favorite ice cream? Ever. Uh, like, I love like, I love I love blizzards. I love Oreo. I love uh, pecan um, pecan. I love M and M's. I love ice cream. So now, are you an M M&M and M Blizzard? Like, what, what's your favorite? When you were talking about blizzards the other, I, it's been forever since I've had a blizzard. Yeah, I, said I, to Andrew, I, I think I want a blizzard right now. I, I do combinations and I do individuals. Yes, it's how I get my. <laughs> you're, even, you're even mystical when you talk about blizzards. <laughs> like your eyes light up and that, the realm. Oh yeah, comes. I'm just like yeah, I got freedom. It's like a blizzard in the spirit right now. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. You were talking a little bit about like um, uh, when this whole realm started to kind of open up. You mentioned when you were talking that if you're here and you don't have visions and and that's not a normal part of your life, I get that. And there was once a a part of your you know of your own story where where what you're operating in wasn't necessarily operational as a child. And I've often kind of like wondered about that whole dynamic because yes. like you hear about Bobby Connor and Bob Jones and these stories of like where it almost began in the womb right but then you see other prophets on, on, on the earth where it's like it, it's almost kind of like they were late bloomers in that yeah kind of in that in that area and um, what what was that catalyzing moment where it's like the scales kind of came off of your eyes and it was was that like your salvation or was there was there an activating moment when you realized Wow, I'm I'm being birthed into a into a new realm here. Okay, that's a great question. I got saved in a Baptist church. I had a friend of mine who was uh, delivered from demons, had a vision of Jesus, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, saw him speak in tongues and dance before the Lord. Had another friend of mine whose uh, father was a Assembly of God minister, and I had him lay hands on me in the church vestry where I spoke in tongues. For the most part. Um, the pastors that I saw did not move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, there was very little manifestation of the presence and the power of God. And um, so I really did not have any actual role models, um, but there was a prophet who came in. He was African-American. Uh, he was thin as a beanpole he could preach like T.D. Jakes and I remember watching him preach and all of a sudden he stopped and said what Lord and um, he had a phenomenal word of knowledge he had some word of wisdom definitely strong word of prophecy healings miracles and faith and I got a chance to interview him and his eyes would tingle and then he could see through you like an x-ray 
And so that was an inspiration in terms of beginning to see what was possible. And then there was a South African prophet, I'll never forget him. His name was Danny Bosman. And uh, he was in his 20s when God sent him into parliament and he ministered to people in parliament, strong word of knowledge, healings and miracles. And uh, I remember I was in a service watching him and he could call people. He led somebody to the Lord every day, every day. That's amazing. Whether in church or not. I remember we were getting ready to pick him up for church. I and he would just lead somebody to the Lord. I mean, not necessarily in church. He had strong word of knowledge, strong gifts of healings. Um, we were in church. He was just talking. And all of a sudden, this woman over here starts, ah. And he said, what happened? And she said, I was blind, and now I can see. Woo. <laughs> and so I thought, you know, that's kind of what I want to be like when I grow up. Wow. Um, I started preaching at 18, but I had no gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, they were a complete mystery to me. And so the thing what it was, I mean, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, it says, desire spiritual gifts, but follow the agape, the love of God. And so I just started praying. My process was I would read the word of God. I would set my clock to learn how to pray for 15 minutes. And then I would go to 30, and then 45, mm. and then 50. Um, I would listen to the word of God, or I would get in the word of God, and I would read chapters. And then, you know, because, you know, um, scripturally, and this is, I know this is very basic, but I'm a person who loves the fundamentals. Mm -hmm. And um, Paul told Timothy, he said, give yourself to the reading of the scriptures. Paul said, all scripture is given by the inspiration, the breath of God. So if I want the wind of God, the breath of God, all I got to do is read the scriptures. Amen. Jesus said in John's gospel, he said, search the scriptures. In the Greek, it means to compare one scripture with another. And Paul told Timothy, he said, study to show yourself approved unto God. And so then Jesus also said in the Sermon on the Mount, um, pray to your father in secret. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And he also said, fast to your father in secret. So I went on a journey of praying and praying more and more. And then I, would, I learned to fast. I, I fasted one meal. I fasted two meals and I fasted a whole day. And then so I now were you living on ice cream during that time? Like no. I didn't have a thing for ice cream <laughs> back then. No, I was uh, back then. What did they ice cream fast? You know? No, that became later. <laughs> okay. Um, um, back, back in those days, I was, um, I was thin, I was in shape, you know, I was, I, I played football, basketball, I was, I was just in great shape. And, um, so I just started, uh, you know, I fasted two days, three days, and then eventually I did a six day fast. And then eventually I did a 21 day fast and then a 15 day fast, 11 day fast, 40 day fast. And for me... Um, I began to learn how to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the first gift was a little bit of the word of knowledge and then prophecy. And then later on came a little bit of the word of wisdom, a tiny bit of discernment, but it was so small. But I went 26 years without any healing. I became extremely frustrated. I was in full-time ministry, and I just said, hey, it's in the Bible, it's not in my life in ministry. Um, so then I just went on this 
you know, six, eight, nine, ten hours a day. I ran across uh, Sid Roth's program, As Supernatural. Yeah. So I started, so it started to give me an idea of what's possible. And so I just chased Jesus until um, things began to happen. And when they started happening, they really started happening. Wow, wow, wow. Now, I'm curious, um, when you see everything that's taking place right now in the natural in 2020, and more specifically with um, just, well, like with the lawlessness that we saw in Seattle with the autonomous zone and um, what, what we're seeing in, you know, in Portland, and um, what's actually happening here in, in, in the spirit? Um, what are you actually seeing um, taking place in our country right now uh, spiritually? And the reason why I ask you that question isn't just so that we have insider's information. Right. I'm asking that question because I think it's really important that, that the church remembers that we are called to be priests and kings. Okay. And so I think it could help us pray instead of attacking flesh and blood. Yeah. Um... I would encourage people to watch a, um, Patricia King has a thing called The Conversation. Yes, yes, yes. And so, um, because I was in Phoenix, she asked me to come and do it, and it was six o'clock in the morning, and I, trust me, I like to sleep till 10, 11, because I, I usually go to bed late. Six o'clock in the morning, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, I want to talk to you about The Conversation. And so I said to the Lord, I said, does that mean I have to get up? And he said, yes. <laughs> so then I got up and I got my phone because I knew that he was going to begin to talk to me. Previous to this, and this goes back to the 1980s, okay. I go to bed one night, I go to sleep, and I find myself at the bottom of the throne of God. Wow. And um, it was um, so intense that I would not dare to look up. It was just too much. And so, so I kept my head down. I'm at the bottom of the throne of God, at the, the bottom of the throne. And the Father says, pray for the United States. And the next thing I know, I'm back in my body. This is in the 80s. Wow. And so then I thought, okay, because I have issues, I thought, now you called me all the way into heaven, and all you had to say to me was pray for the United States. Wow. You could have said a whole lot more. But now I understand why he said, pray for the United States. And so then um, I should probably say, um, and let me think about how to articulate this. For those of us that are believers in Jesus, we need to pray against, remember our war is not against flesh and blood, Amen. but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, because things happen in the spirit realm and then they happen naturally. Mm. And so one of the things that we, that I, want to say to the body of Christ is that we need to pray against the spirit of murder, hatred, and assassination, okay? And then we, because, uh, and then we need to pray for, we need to pray for truth, and we need to pray for justice, and we pray to the Father 
then it releases holy angels, okay? Now, I need to say this because um, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm neither. But the Bible says you do not speak evil of the ruler of your people. Mm. And it was the father who put Trump into office. And so we need to pray that uh, his character is not assassinated, that no one is able to murder him naturally or by character, and that even though there is hatred uh, against him because the Father God put him in, so there's all these dark spirits that don't want him there because he was supporting Israel. He was recognizing Israel and Jerusalem. And he is for the church and the body of Jesus Christ. And so for me, we need to vote in heaven by prayer. We need to be for whatever God is for and against whatever God is against. So I had been praying for that the Lord would save the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic, visible and invisible. Good, good. I have been praying for um, President Trump to be saved, to be mentally healed, emotionally healed, physically healed, and healthy. I will share this with people. Um, Quite a long time ago, I had a vision of him, and in the vision, he was speaking in tongues. In front of the camera, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was loving Jesus and he was loving the Father. And I'm saying, Lord, let what I saw happen. I was told that his wife prays in tongues. Okay? And so, of course, uh, I want someone in the White House who loves Jesus and prays in tongues. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Has President Trump tweeted some stuff I wished he would have never tweeted? Yes. But he's no different than the rest of us because I can promise you I have opened my mouth and inserted my own foot. And I think we all do that. So be merciful even as your Father in heaven is merciful because I'm going to make mistakes. I have in the past. I will in the future. Don't want to, but I probably will. And so... I just want to see the move of God in the United States and previous to most recent events, we saw the economy get better for quite a number of people. We've seen some very, very positive changes. We saw unemployment go down. And I want to see life. So I want to see more conservatives come into the Supreme Court Because the truth of the matter is the church needs to pray over the laws of the land because the laws actually determine what's going to happen in the United States. So I'm praying for Supreme Court justices to know Jesus. I'm praying that anybody who fights against God, he would remove. He would replace with those that are conservative that that support God's agenda, which is for life. I am praying, I have been praying for lower courts, more and more conservatives that support life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness for the people. I've been praying for the Senate to become conservative, for the House to become conservative. And again, I have to remind people, I'm not a Democrat or a Republican. I am for whoever um, is closest to life. Wow. Wow. And the well-being of the people. Wow. That's what I'm all yeah. about. Yeah. And so if a Democrat goes that direction, I'm for him as yeah, sure. or her sure. as long as they support life. Sure. It doesn't matter to right, me. Right, right, right. So that's what I have been praying. That's good. And I believe that God is moving. Amen. And that we need to continue to pray. Um, and I want to say this. My generation sees what's happening as protest. The younger generation who are in the streets, they're there because they believe they have a cause. So I think that we should preach the word of God in Jesus and give them a holy cause. Come on, come on. And once they get a holy cause because of a fellowship with God in Jesus, they'll be out on the streets bringing people out of sin into right living, out of darkness into light, out of the power of Satan into the power of Jesus Christ. And so our role as the church is to, is to give young people a cause, a holy cause, because that's what they're out there for. They're fighting for a cause. Well, it's in them to fight for a cause, so let's have them fighting the good fight of faith. That's so good. Yes, yeah, so, so, so good. And... Uh, now, when it comes to um, prayer, that was one of the, you beautifully unpacked how you're currently praying yes. for our country. Yes. And prayer is an interesting topic yes. because there are so many different models for, for prayer. But it's also an interesting thing culturally in that um, we've seen some huge prayer rallies, right? We've yes. seen huge stadium prayer rallies. Yes. But that doesn't necessarily reflect the state of the local church. Exactly. We're in a weird this is my own perspective. Yeah, it feels like we're in we're in a time right now when prayer feels a little awkward in the corporate context. Yes, as far as finding finding its place, like yes. prayer is like where do I fit in this agenda? Versus growing up as a child, I remember being just a kid and being drugged here over to the old chapel where. Where our where our leaders and pastors were in a circle and be on their knees on those and every Saturday night you know and 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 I would be there and I'd pray for a couple of minutes because I'm a kid and then I'd be drawing on the on underneath the chairs or something you know what I'm saying? Um, my question for you, Pastor Tony, is um, right now, what is the role of it, it, what's happening with prayer and intercession? and the local church, because it does feel like there's perhaps some tension, which may be good. We, we, there may be something about to really be birthed in the local church, but what do you, what do you see and what would you like to see? Yeah, um, let me back up to, um, I was in Brooklyn, New York in March, and I was meeting with pastors in the city. And the Lord had me speak from a scripture we all know, Second Chronicles 7:14. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, my people called by my name, humble themselves, pray, turn from their sinful ways, I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. So I'm, I'm preaching on this, which I thought, I didn't even want to preach on that because it's like, everybody knows that. 
And so I said, hey, pastors, let's pray in the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we're all praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm just praying away. And then all of a sudden, this Greek pastor gets up. He comes up to the pulpit, and he turns to me, and he says, do you know Greek? No, only, you know, what I have studied, you know what I mean? I don't speak Greek. He says, and, and you know, so he says, let me tell you what you were saying to us. Now, this is pastors, ministers, and leaders. You were saying to us by the Spirit of the Lord, repent, walk away from your sins, and be free. This was the Spirit of the Lord speaking to the leaders. So the scripture that says, as the shepherd is, so are the sheep. As the priest is, so are the people. So this is a time in terms of prayer for personal repentance, mm. okay? Um, I pretty much have to repent for something every day. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Um, because I, I don't get it, I can't hardly get away with nothing. Um, so the Holy Spirit will talk to me and I try to keep really short accounts. So if I feel like I've thought something, said something, or did something that's sin, I want the Holy Spirit to point that out to me so I can repent like really, really quick. Because I, I want to keep heaven open over my life. Okay? Um, for me, um, my prayer life is the same whether I'm ministering or not. I fast short fast or maybe a long fast, whether I'm ministering or not, okay? And so I will say this because it fits. I was, some years ago, I was in uh, Monroe, Louisiana, and I was at one of the house of my spiritual sons, and the angel comes to visit me, and he says two things to me. He says, number one, you have to preach repentance, and number two, he said, you have to preach holiness. Wow. See, this is a time for, for each of us individually to bring to Jesus the fruit of repentance and to go beyond positional righteousness, the Lord is my righteousness, I'm the righteousness of God in good, Christ good, Jesus, good. into relational righteousness. Yeah, that's good. Okay? And so after this angel finishes his message, then Jesus appears to me. And I'm going to tell you what he said to me. He said, quote, I have given you the power and the authority to follow me. Then he said, hmm. if you will follow me, wow. you will become like me in life. If you become like me in life, you will become like me in ministry. Wow. So this is a day, and then he's, he's gone. And when I saw Jesus, he appeared to me as a, like a Middle Eastern man, um, chocolate brown hair falling onto the shoulders, um, mustache, beard, white robe about six feet tall or so. And so for me and for this time, it's all about me getting to know Jesus and the Father. Wow. And f this is a time where we have to do this now individually. That's right. Because um, to be honest with you, I have a very good friend of mine who shall remain nameless for this moment. 
But you can go on to Sid Roth, you can go on to YouTube, and he said, Jesus visited me for five hours. You should go and look. And Jesus comes to him and says, essentially, I'm against lukewarmness. And he said, if a person is lukewarm, I will spit them out of my mouth. And he said, I really meant that. Wow. So what this situation is revealing is the lukewarmness of the church. Wow. Jesus said, book of, uh, book of Revelation, chapter three, chapters two and three, I want you hot, I want you cold. So this is a time where I need to be hot for Jesus. I need to burn for Jesus. You know, maybe we might be in situations in, in the United States, different states or different cities or even different nations where you're not allowed to uh, congregate because maybe it's illegal, maybe you might get a fine, maybe they've made it the law and you have prosecution and so it's not allowed. So this becomes a time where we engage in the media like podcasts, like TV, and I get the word of the Lord. And here's what I would encourage people. Uh, watch as little bit of the news as possible and spend as much time in the word of the Lord and That's the good. presence of God as possible. That's good. And then where you're in a situation where you can have small group meetings of five or 10 people, I would get together with them and we, we get into the word of the Lord and we have fellowship with each other in the presence of the Lord or in a church service because there, there, there are parts of the nation where you can gather, okay? And, and whenever you, if, if you can do that, do that. So this is a time of prayer and intercession for the United States. Now I have to say this because this is like so, so important. You vote in heaven and you vote on earth. That's good, that's good. Okay? And so the other thing of it is, and this is really, really important, that we, that whether we pray or don't pray determines what happens. I know that there have been these prophecies about Trump is going to win, it's going to be a landslide election and all of this, but what happens is determined by how we pray. And we need to pray intensely because my view is that this uh, thing with COVID-19 hit from the standpoint of the enemy to delay a move of God because we are in that season right now. And so the very fact that we have to uh, Seek the Father in Jesus, however that happens, in, in the home or in the church or in somebody else's home, we're still going to have a move of God. It may not be like we thought, but God is moving. And in fact, the truth of the matter is, such, since March, there have been thousands of people who have given their hearts to Jesus. It's true. It's and true. so it's we're true. in the midst of a move of God, and you just need to find your place and your way of being able to participate. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, that's so good. Um, when it comes to like revival in 2020, yes, like for Saul, is that even possible, right? Like, like with everything else, and also people how they're kind of how they're kind of defining how yes. they're how they're kind of defining revival, and, and, and revival does get 
it does get put in a, in a, in a box. You know, it some does. people would say if President Trump wins the, the election, that that's revival, you right. know, right. or that awakening is if, if the church finally just wakes up and votes Republican, right. that, you know, there's a lot of that, 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 and I, I, I get that's that kinda out there. I, I get that. But revival for me is loving Jesus, loving the father, loving people. Uh, even though I'm in full-time ministry, I still do ministry on the street. Really? I still do ministry. I'm 64. I still do. I've been on the street. That's amazing. Okay. What does that look like? Like, I go like, out like the, do you go out looking for a fight or are you just like on your way to the grocery store? You know, I, no, no, no. Like, I'm, uh, um, are you going, I'm going to go do like some for, ministry in the streets. No, no, no. For example, um, um, I planted a church in Hannibal, Missouri named Embassy. Um, September like the 3rd through the 7th, we will have some friends come from California, about 20 something. And we will hit the streets. That's awesome. So I, I, I will go to California. Yeah. I will get with a pastor and his people. We will go out on the street, on the street. I will run into somebody and I will preach Jesus to them. Come on. You know, I move a lot in the word of knowledge. And so I will minister word of knowledge to a total stranger. If they don't get saved right there, I mean, the last situation was... They didn't get saved right there, but they came to church, gave their heart to the Lord, and got a physical healing. So, I mean, I still do this. I, you know, I'll, I'll be in, I was in, I was in, um, I was in Orlando, Florida. I was doing TV shoots for God TV. I think I did three of them. And they had me in a hotel that you go down to the hotel and you go right into the mall. So I went right into the mall. I led a number of people to the Lord. It's amazing. Prayed for the sick and they got healed. Come on. In the mall. Okay? And so, um, you know, where I live, (laughs) I think I was trying to go, I was trying to go to a movie with my wife and this couple that I have no idea who they were, but apparently they knew who I was and they stopped me and the guy said, my wife has scoliosis. Would you pray for our healing? <laughs> sure. Jesus healed her. They're wow, crying. They're on. weeping. They're praising come the on. Lord. I'm walking through the mall and some guy says to me, um, you still working miracles? I said, yeah. He said, keep working miracles. I have no idea who this guy is. Okay. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, in the restaurant, I mean, we've had God people get said, let me tell you a story. This will help you. So I'm in this restaurant. I can't remember the state that I was in. I think I'm pretty sure it was a Southern state. And this, the waitress comes up and there's an angel standing to her left. And then the angel of the Lord appears to me on my right. And they, the, these two angels start having conversation. And this angel starts telling the angel that's with me about this woman's life, the name of her two kids, what's going on in her life. And I'm listening and watching this conversation, right? And I'm going, okay, I'm supposed to reach this woman. How am I going to reach her? So I got a thing for Pepsi as well as ice cream. So I ordered a Pepsi. Somebody and said I, amen. <laughs> yeah, somebody said amen. amen. Yeah, yeah, I amen. love Pepsi, man. I love Pepsi. <laughs> okay? I haven't had a Pepsi in a few days now. But um, uh, so if I, either, I need to either go Pepsi or ice cream. Can't, really shouldn't do them both. You know, so anyway, so I haven't had a Pepsi in a red, while. Red pill, blue pill. Yeah, red, yeah, blue. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, I thought, how am I going to reach this woman? Oh, I know. So I order a Pepsi and I throw down a 20. She likes me. I order another Pepsi. I throw down another 20. She likes me more. I think I ordered a third Pepsi and threw down another 20. 
Now, I could say anything to her I want. So I tell her the names of her two kids. I tell her all this stuff that's going on in her life. She starts crying. She had a physical condition. Jesus heals her. Come on. Everything in our section stops. She gives her heart to the Lord. You ready for this? Before we're done, people have given her a total of $400. Wow. So, yeah, why not? You know, so, uh, uh, the, the church stats that I've seen, I don't know how, these are pretty recent, I believe, yeah. it's somewhere between like 60 to 70% of practicing uh, evangelical Christians yeah. um, do not share their faith and believe yeah. that it's the primary responsibility of clergy yeah. um, to, to grow the church or to share, share the faith, you know. And so, uh, but what's interesting is, you know, that Jesus, before he departed, uh, commissioned the church to go and to make disciples of nations. Yes. That, um, and, but oftentimes, especially within kind of our stream, yes. um, we can use fivefold ministry as an excuse to, to basically say that the Great Commission doesn't apply to me because right. I'm not an evangelist, I'm a pastor. Right. You know, so you go get, you go get them, all, you know, I'll love them, but you go get, you know, and, um, and what I'm wondering, one of the things that I've noticed is that when, when uh, going out and sharing my faith and, and right. making disciples and seeing, you know, seeing Jesus do this stuff outside of this place, you know, right. that, that, that it seems like it's more for me than it is for the people that I'm ministering to. It's almost like at that point, there's a reigniting of, of the Christian condition inside of, uh, inside of myself. And so sometimes I get kind of nervous in that sometimes Christianity parallels any other world religion and that it tends to be somewhat individualistic in how can this philosophy encounter enhance and heighten my own personal enjoyment. Yes. And, and that doesn't look anything like like, you know, Jesus didn't say, come and, come and follow me and you have the most enjoyable, stress-free, relaxed, and enlightened life, you know? Right. Jesus is like, come and follow me. It'll cost you everything and you're going to die a very violent death, you know? Mm -hmm. Except for John the Beloved, you know? Mm -hmm. and, I, and so that's one of the things that, um, that, uh, that I think when you were speaking, because when I think of you, I think of you in this very apostolic mm -hmm. kind of place in this, in, uh, of course, a prophet. Mm -hmm. Um, a role and a mentor in this kind of place. But there's that place where even the Lord holds you accountable that yes. you are doing this thing of, yes. make, of making disciples. See, here's a, for me, a lot of times when people look at us as being in the ministry, they look at, it, at us, this is our career. This is our profession. Um, it's not my career. It's not my profession. I follow Jesus. I'm going to follow him wherever he leads. The wow. Scripture says in the book of Revelation, these are they that follow the lamb wherever he goes. Wow. And so um, I don't need to um, see if, if all I'm doing is I got to do this for money. There's something wrong here. Wow. Because when you go and minister to somebody on the street or in a restaurant, there's no money in it for you. You just do it because you love Jesus and you love people. And Paul told Timothy, he said, do the work of an evangelist. And so um, you, I think people, sometimes we need to remember that Philip was a deacon and he was taking care of widows. And then when things shifted, he went to Samaria in Acts 8 and preached Christ and there was great joy in the city as people were getting saved, delivered from demons, the sick were being healed. And so um, I think 
for me. Now, okay, this is me. My deal with God is, okay, I'm gonna walk with you, Lord, but come on, let's have an adventure. <laughs> come on. I'm all about the adventure. <laughs> come on. What, uh, what, what's gonna happen today? Yeah. Okay, let's, let's go. And so, um, <laughs> so if I get alerted by the Holy Spirit that he wants to say and do something wherever I happen to be, I'm all in. I'm just ready because for me, it's walking with God. And so, um, and I'm all about just, uh, this, you know, walking with Jesus is my best life. So I want to do that. So good. So awesome. And now, okay. So switching it up a little bit. Yes. Um, when it comes to encounter, so you yes. live in an encounter yes. realm, uh, yes. a very, so you love adventure, but the Lord takes you in these adventures yes. where it's, it's, it's a little less earthly and a little more heavenly. Yes. And, um, and so, uh, and perhaps many people here or many people watching or listening to this podcast, uh, maybe they've got their own kind of token encounter from like 2008 Yes. 2001. It's yes. been a long time, yes. but not much has happened since then. Yes. But it was such a profound encounter. It changed their identity, um, their understanding. It lined them up for their destiny. Is that encounter? Is that that's done? That thing's expired. That's that's okay. in that's in that's in the past. We should be waiting for the new, longing for the new encounter. Okay. Or what does it look like to? Should we? Can you steward something that's that happened a long time ago? What does okay. that look like? Okay, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge people. So um, when I challenge you, it's because I care about you. But I'm getting ready to challenge you. Awesome. I can only lead people up to the level of my own personal encounters with Jesus. So if I encounter Jesus as Lord and Savior, that's all I can lead a person into. Mm. If I've encountered Jesus as healer, I can lead a person there. Deliverer, baptizing the Holy Spirit. However, if my last God encounter was a long time ago, um, now I'm only leading people by memory. Wow. Okay, so for me, encounter begins by obeying the word of the Lord and walking in the spirit. And see, so what a lot of people don't understand is that if they're just following Jesus and, and doing those things that please the Father and they're walking in the Spirit, they are in a God encounter. Whether they feel like it or not. So when um, temptation faces you, I remember when I first started um, walking with Jesus, I was in a dream and in front of me was temptation. I heard a voice say, look up. And as soon as I looked up to Jesus, the temptation was conquered. Hebrews 12 says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I need to not just look to Jesus, I need to keep looking to Jesus. Because if I keep looking to Jesus, I will, um, okay, there's patterns. Here's a pattern. Yeah. Uh, you, have a, you have a problem, and then you ask a question because the supernatural is initiated by a question. Because my question, 
like this woman who got saved in the restaurant, Lord, how do I reach her? So the supernatural is initiated by asking the right question. So you have a problem, you have a question. If you ask the, you just start asking God questions, then you have an encounter and the encounter can be as simple as the Lord gives you a, a, a promise that speaks to that problem, okay? So now my question is when I have this problem, what's the promise? But here's the other question. So Lord, uh, you permitted this problem so who or what do you want to be to me now that you could not have been to me before? Because all the way through scripture, persons had problems and then they had a God encounter and as a result of that problem and that God encounter, they got to know who and what God was in a way like they never knew him before. So you have the problem, you have the question, then God reveals himself promise he shows you something about his character his nature his ability and then the next thing of it is is lord um what are the conditions attached to this promise that i have to fulfill and then everybody say repentance repentance faith and obedience faith and then obedience. i go from there to now there's this supernatural provision here's what i teach people um every single one of us have a spiritual capacity and I, this is i'll say it like this Abraham has a God encounter, and God says, first he, first he can't have any children. God gives him an encounter. He has Isaac. And then God says, give me Isaac, sacrifice him on a mountain. That's a complete thought. But when he goes to sacrifice Isaac, God says, you did it in your heart. You don't have to touch him. That was the part two of that encounter. It brought it to a conclusion. And the whole reason for that story was, is Abraham entered into a covenant with God where your enemies become my enemies. Your, um, everything you have is mine, should I ask you for it? And the father was looking for a legal way back into the earth. So he cut a covenant with Abraham. He got Abraham to give his son. Now God had a legal right to give his son to redeem the people of the earth. And that's why the father took Abraham through this process. But he went from revelation to revelation to revelation. So here's what I teach people. When I have an encounter with God, I have to remember it, record it, revisit it, go back through it. And then I'm praying and I'm saying, okay, son of the Lord, what's next? So when, when people read the prophets, they need to understand that the prophets walk through this process. So how do I get to the revelation to begin with? Okay, for me, it is um, waiting for God. Uh, Lamentations 3.25 says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. So just really quick, because you're, yes. you're, you're about to go into kind of engaging a, a, rev, a revelatory realm, which yes. is really, really important. We're all on the edge of our seats. <laughs> yeah. But before we do that, there, you said something very, very important that I want to make sure that, that, that people don't miss. Right. Going back to the encounter you had in 2003, oh, yes. you said, remember it. So it'd be taking the time to, to remember, because to, when you remember it, you're actually honoring it. When you take Absolutely the time. honoring it. So you're saying we need, we, need to, we need to stop for a second before we get too eager about the new to honor the last time, the last encounter that we had and then to record it. What does that look like? Record it means that I, I have this encounter with God, I remember it, and I write it down. 
You write it down. I go through every single part of it. I look at it. I pray about it. Are you asking I'm, yourself questions as you're writing it down in order yeah, to, to mine it more? Yes. So I want to I see it again. I want to hear it again. I want to feel it again. I want to absorb it. I want to get everything out of that encounter that is there. But what if people say, I don't need to do that, Pastor Jim, because I remember it. it's so vivid. It was like it was yesterday. So I remember it, and I don't need to write it down. So why would I write it down? Well, um, I think that um, God gives us an example <laughs> from, from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> Maybe I need to follow God or something like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so good. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's pretty, I'm a pretty simple dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, you know, and, and then just in case we miss that part, you know, God says to Habakkuk, write the vision. Do you think that sometimes people, they compare their revelation to the revelation of the word and they just say, it was awesome, but they maybe they they poo-poo that event and they put it down and they don't do the work that that encounter deserves because they're comparing it to Katie Souza's encounter or comparing it to St. John's encounter in the book of Revelation and so because of that we neglect encounters yeah, yeah I, I, I think uh, the Hebrew writer says this God at various times and in different ways spoke to the prophets and has in these last days spoken to us by the Son. So God speaks to us in different ways. And so, you know, not only do we sometimes compare our en encounter with the written word, we compare our encounters with other people. Absolutely. And Paul said this in the book of Corinthians. He says, those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Wow. And the reason that that's not wise is because, you know, let's say I have an encounter, you have an encounter, and I decide that my encounter is greater than your encounter, so now I'm in pride. Or if I decide that your <laughs> right. encounter is greater than my encounter, now I'm in inferiority. But you're not the measurement, and neither am I. The <laughs> measurement on. is Jesus. So now I need to come up, and so do you. And so we've leveled the playing field. And so I take revelation from God however it comes to me. That's good. And so, I mean, this is funny. I mean, because God's got a sense of humor. And I remember ministering to somebody, and I was getting ready to minister to him, and the Lord said, what about Bob? <laughs> the movie. Right? So, so what about Bob? And it was a whole revelation. <laughs> okay? So let me give you another one. <laughs> That's just a, because the Lord could talk to you any way he wants to. So I'm ministering to this young woman, and I, um, uh, I think there was a woman named Tiff Tiffany who did a song called I Think We're Alone Now. So I, I, I hear Tiffany. Well, so I bring this up, and so here's what's really going on. Um, this young woman I'm ministering to, she had broken up with her boyfriend. He was seeing another woman, and she was stalking him. And the girl's name that uh, her boyfriend left, left her for was Tiffany. 
And then I saw the picture of, um, remember the guy from Halloween who wears the mask? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm stalking you to get you. And I mean, the Lord really did something there to, you know, to stop a pathway she was on. Wow. Okay. And so, um, <laughs> I mean, I've had, this is probably going to mess with people. I've had the Lord speak to me from Pink Floyd. Okay. Um, we don't need no. <laughs> well, it started with this. Hey. No, it started with this. Um, it started with. Um, Daddy's flown across the ocean, wow. leaving just a memory, a snapshot in the family album. Hey, Daddy, what have you left for me? Wow. And the Lord starts talking to me with the words of this song because this person had been left by her father. Wow. It was a snapshot in the family album. We had a picture of a family, but it was in reality. Daddy, what have you left for me? And then the whole thing of building bricks, isolating myself. And, and going into depression. So, so sometimes the Lord will use this kind of crazy stuff to speak to me. Or he can just simply, and I've had this experience too, where I look at a person, I remember looking at a woman, and I saw these slides over her head. She was uh, engaging a man in an intense conversation. He, he, he grabbed her, and he, 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 was on t he threw her down, and he was on top of her. So I call her out and I just describe it. And yes, that's the way it happened. Well, who cares how you get the revelation? Right. As long as this person feels cared for, loved, and they get touched and healed by God. Wow, wow. So I don't think that we should limit God in any way. Amen. I mean, if the Lord wants to speak to you through hee-haw, <laughs> you look at somebody and the Lord says, gloom, despair, agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. The Lord is telling you what this person is going through. Right, right. So who cares how you get it? I'll take it however I can get wow, it. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. So um, you, there's been some talk about angelic function. Oh, and, yeah. um, and And I'm, set, I'm using the angelic to kind of set the question where I'm going. So, okay. Okay. Um, uh, a lot of revelation in church recently regarding the, the function of the angelic and how that integrates with our identity and calling as, as believers. Yes. And that worked beautifully in the word that you gave to right. Steve Swanson today as yes. far as the angelic function above him and how yes. it was leading him into what was being manifested on the earth. Yes. Okay. When it comes to the great cloud of witnesses, yes. um, can, does the Lord assign... Uh, witnesses in the cloud in the same fashion uh, and I don't know if I'm being specific enough but I will answer your question um, when I first went to heaven the first person I saw was well tried to see was the father but I couldn't because of the cloud and because of the light then I saw Jesus but there were witnesses there um to explain this to people, think of it this way. In the book of Revelation, John says, I heard a voice. He walks through a doorway. He finds himself in heaven. And he sees um, the living beings, what we call the cherubim. He sees the 24 elders. 
um, his revelation actually starts, um, Revelation 101, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to Jesus, the Father gave to Jesus, to show his service those things which must shortly come to pass. The Holy, the, Jesus gives it to the Holy Spirit, and he sent it, signified it by his angel to his servant John, to show God's servants things which must come to pass. Right. So the Father gives it to Jesus, Jesus gives it to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives it to the angel, the angel comes, and John's in the Spirit, but then something happens. John sees a book that nobody can open and he's crying and the scripture says one of the elders said to him, stop crying for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book. This is not an angel. Later on, John sees all these people praising God and one of the elders approaches him and says, who are these people? because John didn't know to ask. So he just asked the question and John said, sir, you know. And he said, these are they that came out of great tribulation and washed their robes white in the blood of the lamb. Okay, so we know that John had interaction in the realm of heaven in the Holy Spirit with an elder. We do not know which one. So that's in the cloud of witnesses. And then we see in Mark, Matthew and Luke, Jesus is on the mountain of transfiguration. The father comes in a cloud and Moses and Elijah appear. And in one of the versions, it says that Moses and Elijah began talking to Jesus about his upcoming death in Jerusalem. And Peter, James, and John are witnesses. Now we have four witnesses of interaction with somebody from the cloud of witnesses. Matthew, Mark, Luke, in his gospel and John. You, the, all truth is established by the mouth of two or three witnesses and you have four, by the way, that's biblically, scripturally, theologically, it can't be refuted. Hmm. So my issue was when I, um, cause it, it start, this all started with the angelic encounter, went to the father, then went to Jesus. My issue with God was, you gotta give me scripture for um, this deal because um, I'm seeing Elijah. So you gotta give me Bible for this and God gave me Bible for it. With regards to Elijah, um, he looks ancient and youthful at the same time. He has kind of high cheekbones. Um, He has eyes that twinkle with the joy of the Lord but are also fierce for God to get his just glory. He has a long flowing beard. He's got some hair. He's, he really does have a hairy chest uh, and he is supernaturally preserved. Um, when I saw, um, you know, I didn't talk to Elijah, but there were things that he was instructed by God to tell me. Uh, when I saw Noah, Noah had a body very similar to your type, tall, but he had one of those real, real long beards. Uh, when I saw Peter, Um, He was a big man, handsome, but rugged, strong. When I saw Paul, he was maybe five feet tall. I was about that size when I was born. Um, You know, and I I saw others too. Oh, this is what's going to blow people away. Are you sure you're ready for this? You should put on your seatbelt. 
Samson is maybe 140 or 150 pounds wet. That's the miracle. Wow. Right. So when they show him on the movies, it's like, he's a little bitty dude. (laughs) Little bitty. How can you? So, you know. So what happened was, is, um, yeah, so I would, so people might say, well, you know, that's your testimony, except for I have been in meetings where people have seen the prophet Elijah in the meeting wow. with me. And that's happened more than once. So that's what I was wondering. We, we know that the Lord will assign um, messengers, uh, uh, angels, that have a specific identity and specific function to partner to see uh, the life of an individual, a son and daughter of God, come into their destiny. So in the same way that the Lord would assign uh, an angel, uh, does the Lord assign witnesses to come alongside in order to see an individual step into the fullness of their, of of, of, uh, almost a a reflection? Like I I was wondering for you uh, with the... That's like a part of your, and I'm not saying that that that, that is. It's kind of a question. Of, no, it is because, um, <laughs> and not just, you know, but Elijah ministers to a lot of people. Um, one of the things that happened, and uh, people may have issues with this, and that's okay. Um, I saw Elijah in heaven, and one of the things he said to me, he said, when you really need me, I will be there. And he'll say, he said, I will announce myself and I will say, I'm here. Okay. So I was doing a ministry in Michigan and man, that morning was rough. It's rough. So I was pretty discouraged, even though God moved. Um, and you know, sometimes we have our own expectations and they don't match because right. we're carnal and sometimes we're natural and sometimes we miss God. And so that evening service, I'm pretty discouraged and I'm sitting up in the pulpit and all of a sudden heaven opens and Elijah says, I'm here. Mm. I don't say a word to the people, but everyone in the room could feel the atmospheric change. And it was the most, you remember how heavenly it was in North Carolina, yeah. this didn't even touch that. People, and I didn't say like, I just had a vision of Elijah. I'm sitting in the pulpit and heaven opens up and Elijah says, I'm here. Now, was he in the meeting? No, he was in the realm of heaven, but he was releasing the presence of God into that meeting. He said, I'm here. In other words, I'm here for you because God gave me that as a gift. And when, after he said that, the whole atmosphere, and people just lost it. And it turned everything. I mean, it was like, it's amazing. it was the most heavenly atmosphere I've ever experienced other than actually being in heaven. <laughs> it was incredible. I mean, so that, that, that'll give you an idea. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, so, you know, you'll have, um, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, 
I, I'll share this because it's along the same line. Sure. Um, one of the persons that I did see in heaven was Enoch. And I, had a, I have a friend of mine who was dead for an hour and 44 minutes. He had 29 diseases. His feet were black. Um, <laughs> uh, his wife praised him back to life. His name is Dean Braxton. And uh, so when he and I meet, at some point in our relationship, I said, hey, when you were in heaven, did you, have to run, did you happen to run into uh, Enoch? He says, yeah, I did. So I said to him, did you get a chance to talk to him? No, I didn't. I said, tell me what he looks like. So as soon as he described him, it was exactly the same. Wow. Wow. So I, 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 I met a, another prophet of God, and he had been in heaven. And so, um, so uh, when he had seen Elijah, uh, Elijah looked exactly as I had seen him. Uh, when he saw Moses, uh, Moses looked exactly like I had seen him. And so one of the things that happens is, is when you have these heavenly encounters, people... Um, compare notes and experiences, sure, so sure, to speak. Sure. Uh, because it's always good to have confirmation. And uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah. Enoch is a unique personality. <laughs> What's his personality like? Um, Enoch was a person that I could not make out any of his features because of the level of the light of God that shined out wow. of his being. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> I couldn't see it. I couldn't. He was just uh, a friend of mine described it this way. Dean actually, um, he said I couldn't. Dean actually said because he was in heaven hour for five minutes. He said he couldn't tell if the light moved Enoch or Enoch moved the light because Enoch was so one with God. And uh, I did hear Enoch say a few things. And uh, one of the things he said was the key to walking with God is very simple. The key to walking with God is obedience. Yeah. He wow. talked about how he walked with God until God, okay, let me say it another way. I walked with God until he saw I became like him. When he saw I became like him, he took me. And he basically said that the whole point of life is to become like God. Awesome. So it takes God to love God the way God wants to be loved. Yes, yes. So Christ in you, the hope of glory, gives you the ability to love the Father like the Father wants to be loved because Christ loved the Father perfectly. And when you come... Uh, and the complete surrender to Christ, you're going to love the Father the way he wants to be loved. And so the Father's after love. That's amazing. That is so beautiful. That is so incredible. Now, when a lot of people think of the great cloud of witnesses, mm -hmm. they immediately think of a cloud. Yes. A cloud. Yes. Maybe hovering in this atmosphere. Yes. It's loaded up like, like, a, like a car. Like you can only get so many witnesses in the, in the cloud. Yeah. And so you got the witnesses that care about what we're doing here and now. Yes. They're all in, up in heaven. They all they slam the doors of the cloud. They come pulling in. And they're interceding and they're cheering us on. And, um, and so, of course, that's not what, what's right. actually taking place. Right. Um, what are we talking about when we talk? Is is, is the cloud a, a cloud? Is it is it a realm? Is it a, is it? What is this? What is this cloud of witnesses? And how does it interact with with our realm? Okay. First of all, 
Um, Cloud dynamics. Yes. First of all, people think that heaven is far, far away. <laughs> like Star Wars in a right. galaxy far, far away. But we are inside of heaven right now. Heaven, okay, heaven is first mm. a person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So heaven is within me. Okay? Heaven is secondly the nature of the Father, love and holiness. Heaven is the ability of God Almighty. Heaven is uh, the Father of glory, Jesus the King of glory, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of glory. And heaven is not far away. Jesus, uh, John started this whole thing out by saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, which means it's within your reach right here, right now. Mm. And then Jesus said, repent and believe the good news because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So here's what I want to say to people just to give them an, a biblical idea. Stephen is in the process of being stoned. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And while his physical feet are upon the earth, he says, I see heaven opened. And the Son of Man is standing at the right hand of God. And even though he's physically here, he's there. And the Bible says in Ephesians 2 that the Father raised up Jesus. And when the Father raised up Jesus, you were raised up in Christ. The Father set Christ at his own right hand and that you're with Christ at the Father's right hand. And the Bible says it has already happened. So that means that says heaven is in me, when I look through the eyes of my spirit, through the Holy Spirit, I can see into heaven. And when I see into heaven, I can see the angels of God, and I can see the cloud of witnesses, I can see Jesus, and I can see the glory of the Father, as if I'm there because I am there, even though I'm here. Mm. And so... Um, we think of heaven as far, far away, sure. but heaven is in this room right now. <laughs> and angels are here. And if there are any cloud of witnesses who are interested in this conversation, they're here, okay? Just to witness. So, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I, I just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, I don't know how far you want. I don't know how far you want to go with this because, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll share this because this will help people. I was getting ready to do a ministers meeting, you know, a pastors meeting, pastors that I oversee and pastors I work with, and they came and ministers, and so I think we had probably I don't know two hundred and something, whatever it was. So I was going to speak in the morning, and my, I'm, I'm awake. My eyes open up. I see into heaven, and there's, there's uh, Samuel. And he proceeds to tell me that it was the Father's will for me to speak on the subject of procrastination hmm. and how to overcome procrastination. I've heard you preach on that. It's an amazing word. Yeah, it is. And so when I get up that next day, 
And matter of fact, I was given a series of subjects I was supposed to cover. Um, and that came from the Father gave it to Jesus. Jesus gave it to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave it to Samuel um, because, you know, there's this, um, there's this sort of father prophet thing that I have as, you know, so anyway. So I delivered the word, it was powerful. That's awesome. So, yeah. Do you think the, there's, cause there's been a certain amount of um, uh, theological or doctrinal like control um, that's been, that's, that's almost like been trying to regulate these conversations. Yes. And I'm not uh, picking on any sort of specific person or ministry or, or heresy hunter or anything like that, but there certainly has been almost a, almost a fear to even mention the great cloud of witnesses or even this particular kind of conversation of, of, of is, is it okay to engage that, that, that place, that realm, if you see, don't even acknowledge because that, that couldn't be of, of God and such. But, but the same could be true uh, in regards to even just talking about angels. It's been, I mean, if you were to talk about the angelic and engaging the angelic in the 90s, you know, that would get you picketers, that would get you on to, to the Bible answer man, like, you know, and so now we're allowed to do a lot of things that you couldn't do 10, 20, 30 years ago without all of the, there's just an openness, but even then, there's still been, it still is a little awkward, uh, perhaps having some of these conversations, and, and do you think that's because um, that when we begin talking about how real heaven is, and how near heaven is, and, and, and the desire of the Father, that we would partner with his, with his messengers and with his heart. Do you, do, I, I, I'm wondering, and this is just a hypothesis I'm throwing out, that it, could it be because when we start talking about uh, the, the, the reality of these heavenly dynamics and the will of God, that perhaps that now makes us accountable to be a little less independent in our ministry methods and our ministry mindedness. Yeah. Because it's, it's a little terrifying knowing that, wait, I can't just do whatever I want with my church. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a little bit terrifying to think that, oh, like to think that, that heaven could engage, that there's a, that there's a will of the Father. And, and so it's almost like there's a great, I feel like my, my fear isn't angel worship or or saint worship in these conversations. I almost feel like there's a healthy fear of God that comes in when we start having these conversations because now there's like, there's an accountability to the generations that have run before us that we don't just get to do our own thing. Right. Well, you know, I mean, there are plenty of prophets who had encounters with angels and still only worship God. <laughs> there were apostles who had encounters with angels and only worship the Father and Jesus. First of all, angels are part of the heavenly army. We as the body of Christ, we're the army of the Lord upon the earth. Yes. So why wouldn't the earthly army partner with the heavenly army wow, come on. and the heavenly army come on. partner with the earth, earthly army of the Lord to achieve the will of God and to conquer darkness? I mean, hello. <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, we here upon the earth, this nation's army gets with this nation's army to defeat a foe. So, I mean, think about it. And so then what are we going to do now with the return of Jesus? And, and, here, and Enoch says, here comes the Lord 
with ten thousands of his saints and Jesus has a sword and those that are on horses with him, they come in to do battle. So what? It only happens in that moment? Wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, we're all fighting for the will of God to get done. And I understand, you know, uh, this is a little too far for some people, um, but okay. So that's fine. Um, it's, it, it works for me. So, um, you know, somebody said, well, how does it work for you? Well, um, I was in Arkansas in a situation where a church had their electrical meter removed. And we, when we got to the church, all their electricity was on. The sound system was on. I'll never forget, we finished the service and we were in the back room eating and there was a table and there was a lamp. It was not plugged in and the light bulb was on. And we're eating and they had supernatural power electricity for months. This is not a problem. <laughs> this is not a problem. So, um, <laughs> I mean, I could go on and on and on, but this is not a problem. So it's a problem for somebody else, but it's not a problem for me because uh, we had a, a wealthy woman who was a farmer uh, in her area, there was a drought. So she asked me to come out and pray for rain. Think about Elijah. I would come out on Monday nights. It would rain on her property only to the point that the neighbor said, how come it rains on your property and not on ours? And Jesus did that miracle for her. So then, this is when I'm pastoring in Illinois. God says, stop pastoring in Illinois. Go to Missouri and plant a church. Uh, I go to bed one night. I have a dream. And in this dream, we're supposed to purchase these buildings. That I, we got like $2,000 in the bank. And we're going to purchase a 30,000 square foot building. We're just planting a church. And that same woman that I had prayed for comes to me and says, I'll buy the whole church for you. You my friend. Wow, it's amazing. Wait, so then it was in the highest places in Hannibal and so a cellular company comes into the area and they needed to put up a tower so they come to us and say, can we put a tower on your roof? And they offer us the egg to the penny, the exact amount of money that the woman gave us to purchase the church and we gave it back to her. So if you don't want the spirit of Elijah in your life, okay, but I will go for it. Because we had people get saved in that building and they still are getting, see, we still have a move of God there. People got saved there, delivered from demons there, filled with the Holy Ghost there, miracles there. So, you know, I'll take my experience. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'll, I'll take your experience. Right. Too. Come right. on. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And then just just last, last thing, kind of area I want, just want to hit on with you is in the area of, um, of worship. Yes. Because it feels like, feels to me like, like, like that, that heaven wants to be a lot more involved with our, with our, with our worship yes. and our understanding of worship. 
Yeah. You know, it just, and it just, it just, you can just feel that, like the, the longing for, for there to be, um, greater, greater unification or greater revelation of our unification between heaven and earth. And we talk a lot about new sounds and stuff, but sometimes we think that means new sounds on a keyboard. Right. And no, nothing's wrong with that, you know. But I don't even think it's about that. I don't even think it's about a new sound, a new rhythm. It's that place where um, worship without veils, you know. And, and I just really felt like there's something that you have in regards, and in, in, in selfishly really, you know, for, for this house, for Seattle Revival Center. Um, One of the things I saw in heaven is I saw God the Father on the throne which is immense. In fact, you can see the Father seated on his throne anywhere you are in New Jerusalem or heaven. Mm. It's that big. Anywhere. It's actually, this, in that sense, the center focus of heaven. And um, I understand where people can become confused in their theology about... Um, if God is the manifestation of three different persons or if it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I understand where, why people have that because I saw Jesus literally walk into the Father and become one and come out of the Father mm. and be separate. But the very fact that Jesus does not know when he's coming lets you know that there's a separality there. Because the angels don't know, Jesus doesn't know when he's coming, only the Spirit, the Father. One of the things I saw about worship was the unity of the Spirit. Everybody was on their knees. Everybody went down like this in worship, all at the same time, just led by the Spirit. Um, this may surprise people but music came out of each person just like it was a musical instrument. Then there was this, the best way for me to describe it is there was this light and this cloud that came up from everyone that collected, like a mushroom cloud, and then the Father inhaled and all the love and all the light of each son went into the Father and he enjoyed the love and the worship of each son. And in heaven, um, while there is rank, each son or each daughter is number one with the father. And then this is the other thing that I witnessed because I, I was back, so I was watching this. And then this light came out of the father and went into each son and each daughter and so there was this circle of love that came from the father into each son and daughter, out of each son and daughter, back into the father. And uh, there was this unity of the spirit because it was all about the father and Jesus. And because it was all about the father and Jesus, no one had any issues with anyone else because each person was in harmony with, with heaven and it was in harmony with one another. And so this is the revelation that the Father wants to bring into the church of Jesus Christ. And so whenever I'm in harmony with the Father and Jesus, uh, I make it easier for you to be in harmony with me. Wow. 
And so heaven models loving God and loving one another. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Awesome. Thank you. Can we just give a big thank you to Tony? Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. Thank you. I was getting I was getting whacked there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I understand. Totally been there. Because <laughs> when I watched this thing happen, obviously I was in tears. Because I was watching the love for the father for each son and daughter, because everyone was number one. There was no like there was not like, like any big shots and little shots. Everybody was a bunch of shot shots. Okay, seriously. <laughs> I mean, it was all about the Father and Jesus. And so if, if we can ever get to the point, and I want to say this because this is important. Jesus said at one point, and he was talking to some people, he said, it is the Father who honors me. And uh, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. Well, here's the thing. If I want to be honored by the Father, all I have to do is lift up Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Jesus lifted up the Father. And so if I lift up Jesus, Jesus honors the Father. So if I lift up Jesus and the Father honors Jesus, if I lift up Jesus, the Father's going to honor me. And so the key to the move of God is just simply to lift up and magnify Jesus. The Father will honor me because I'm honoring the one he honors. That's so good. So that means that the glory of God's going to come and I'm going to see dramatic answers to prayer and the miraculous. So do I appreciate the angels of God? Yes. Do I appreciate the cloud of witnesses when it's the Father's will to have them assist and help? Wonderful. But they're not my focus. The focus is the Father and Jesus. That's good. It's really, really good. It's so good. Well, Tony, thank you so much for uh, for being a part of this week and um, uh, and for making time for this. And we just love you and Deborah, who you are. Just appreciate your friendship and always learn so much from getting to hang out with you and chat with you. And always, I think, catch so much from just getting to be near you. So, love you lots. Love you. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarrenshow.com. That's thedarrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarrenshow.com. Thanks guys.